Oh, goodness. Well, we are in this summer mixtapes, and, and here's what the deal is with this. If you don't know what that is, basically, it's like a playlist today. So what I've done is I've taken, uh, I've gone and looked at all my sermons over the 20 years, and for the next few weeks, I'm, I've pulled out some favorite sermons. And so that's my playlist. And so I, each week, I'm sharing with you one of those, um, one of those messages. And today I want to share with you a message. Uh, the title of the message is I Am Resilient. And um, this is a, a great message, and this is why I, I chose it, because this message gives you and me hope. It gives us hope and encouragement that our sins can be forgiven, that God loves us and he cares for us. And, and regardless of what our past has looked like or regardless of the thing that we did, you know, or, or whatever it was, the sin that we committed, that we can come before a holy God, uh, w- you know, with a broken and contrite spirit and the right attitude, the right heart. We can come and say, forgive me of my sins. And God is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins. And I don't know about you, that's a big deal for me in, in, in my life. And you ought to know that by now because I listened to Jimi Hendrix and rode around in a Volkswagen van. Okay, so anyway, you ought to know that. Uh, but, but here's the deal. Sin is a subject that we really need to talk about. It's something that affects every single one of us, right? I mean, it's just something that's part of our lives, whether we like it or not. The Bible actually says in the New Testament, in 1 John 1, 8, it says if we, if, we ha- if we say that we have no sin, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So we all have sin in our lives. We all deal with it. We struggle with it. There's a sin nature that remains in us, even when we have a relationship with Christ. And there's this battle inside of us between our sin nature and the righteousness of God. And so sometimes as believers, we, we lose the, the little war, the little fight, but you know, we, we give in and we sin against God. And, and, um, so, and we need to know how we, how do we, how are we forgiven of our sins? What, what if we don't have a relationship with God? How are we forgiven of our sins? What if we do have a relationship? Are we forgiven? And so when we look at the story we're going to look at today, we're going to see that there is hope. And that's what I want you to, want you to see. Uh, and, and in your own life, I know that we've probably all blown it. I know I've blown it in my life, and you've probably blown it in yours. You've done some unwise, sinful things in your life. Maybe little things, maybe big things, I don't know. Maybe you did something that a lot of people know about. Maybe you suffered through some embarrassment because of it. Uh, maybe you've done things that you hope no one ever finds out about. And uh, maybe you're hiding something shameful, shameful from your past, or, and um, you know, nobody knows about the thing that you took it you know, you stole something maybe one time. Nobody ever know, knows about that. Or, or maybe there was a, you know, there, you're spending, and maybe even now, there are people that are sitting in front of a computer screen late at night looking at things they shouldn't be looking at, and nobody knows about that but you, except there is somebody that knows about it, and, it, and it's God. And, um, and, you know, maybe there was an online affair, or maybe a brief fling, or, or, or maybe, you, you know, you really treated someone badly. Whatever it is, it could be a million different things. You know about it, but, and perhaps nobody else does, maybe except God. Your cover isn't blown, but God knows. And, and maybe deep down inside, you're like, I really, I need forgiveness and I want forgiveness, but I'm not sure that I can get forgiveness. I, maybe this thing I've done, I think it's too big and, and maybe God can't forgive me or whatever. Maybe you're frustrated because you just don't know where to start or how to go about it. And, and so this, this sermon today is going to help you with all of that because it, it, and maybe, maybe you're here today and you're going, well, you know, I'm just not that bad. I mean, and, and, and you know, maybe, and truthfully, maybe you've never, there's never been any big giant thing in your life or anything, but the, but the fact of the matter remains. 
if we say we have no sin in us, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. All of us sin from time to time and fall short of the glory to God. So we need to know how to deal with the sin. And today we're gonna look at the life of a guy, uh, King David. Uh, David was the second king in the nation of Israel. Saul was the first king. And uh, Saul, you know, did, did some things and God removed him from uh, being king. He appointed David the new king over Israel. David became a mighty, powerful king, one of the most famous characters in all the Bible. David was uh, the only person in the Bible that is described as a man after God's own heart. But here's what I want you to know about David. Even though David almost seems superhuman when you think about fighting Goliath and you hear about him wrestling around the lions and all this stuff and you hear about him just, you know, being this warrior and, and all these things, he can seem superhuman. But the fact is, is David was a man and David sinned. And even after David was declared a man after God's own heart, even after David uh, was anointed king and God chose him to be the king of Israel, David sinned against God. Now, um, when I originally did this sermon, I was doing it in a series, and the week before I preached this message, I preached about David and Bathsheba, and maybe you know that story, because it's tied into our sermon today. Because the sin that we're going to focus on today, the sin that David committed today, is, is the sin with Bathsheba. Now, I'm not going to, you, you can go in, into your Bibles and, and you can read about that if you want to. You can read the whole text if you want to. Uh, it's, it's found in 2 Samuel uh, chapter 2 Samuel 11 uh, is where that story is found. I'm just going to give you a little synopsis of the story because I really want to get to a psalm, Psalm 51. That's where we're going to camp out today because Psalm 51 is a psalm that David, it's a prayer that David penned and wrote and prayed to God after all this has taken place. But the story of David and Bathsheba in a nutshell is this. Uh, David is the king of Israel. And, and at the time that this all happens, David's men, his, his warriors are all out fighting a battle. David should have been with them, but he stayed back. He stayed at the palace. One night, it says late in the, actually the Bible says late in the afternoon, you know, he was lazing around being the king, you know, I guess, you know, enjoying the spoils of being the king. While his men are out fighting, David gets up on the roof of the palace and he's walking around kind of channel surfing. You know, he's looking out over all the houses and everything in the little kingdom there. He's looking out and he looks over and he spots a lady, a woman, uh, and I guess the way it worked in that culture and the way that, you know, they didn't have indoor plumbing and all that. And this lady is taking a bath on a roof and David can see her and she's beautiful. And David begins to watch this lady, kind of like somebody lingering in a computer screen when they shouldn't be there, right? He starts looking at this woman and he starts watching and thinking things that he shouldn't be thinking. And so David, eventually he sends for the woman and has her brought to his house and he sleeps with her and commits adultery and, and, um, because she's married and her husband's one of the warriors of David that's off fighting the battle, Uriah. And so, so he sends for her and he sleeps with her. And then, and if, I don't know how much down the road, but a little while later, one day David gets a note, gets a message, I don't know, but somebody came and told David and said, she's pregnant and David's got a problem. Her husband's been off at war and now he has gotten her pregnant and he's got to come up with a plan. You ever tried to come up with a plan to cover your sin? 
Well, David starts coming up with a plan. Here's his plan. David says, I'm going to send and I'm going to get Uriah, the Hittite. I'm going to have Uriah and I'm going to bring him in from the battlefield. The king's going to summon Uriah. Uriah's going to come in and when he comes in, I'm going to get a report for what's going on out there in the war. And so he sends for Uriah. Uriah comes and David says, how are things going? What's going on? You know, acting all, you know, like kingly. And he says, you know, what's going on? What's happening out in the battle? To give me a report and all that. And he goes, oh, and you know, and he goes, well, now that you're in town, you're going to be here. I you know, I'm going to give you a day or two off. Go on down there and spend some time with your wife. You know what he's thinking, right? He's going to go home. He's going to sleep with his wife. He hasn't seen her in a while and they're going to be intimate. And then what's going to happen, she, he can go back to the battlefield. She can show that she's pregnant and everybody go, oh, you, you remember, you remember, your eye was home for a couple of days, Right? There's only a problem is that Uriah is an honorable man, and when the king says to go home and, you know, and just enjoy home for a couple days, that Uriah won't do it. He sleeps on the king's steps. He won't go back home. Now David's going, on. Oh, now what do I do? Well, if you'll read the story, then David invites him over for a feast and tries to get him drunk and then send him back home. True story. Still wouldn't do it. So David sends him back out into the battlefield, but he sends a note and he gives it to the general out in the battlefield. And the note says to send Uriah to the most fierce place in the battle, send him up to the front lines where all this fighting's taking place and then draw the men back. Basically, he's sentencing Uriah to death. So David has an adulterous affair, gets the woman pregnant, tries to cover it up, can't cover it up, so he has her husband killed. Now, I, I just want to say, as we go on through this sermon, and I'm talking about sin in your life, I pray to God that there's nothing that bad in your life. But I think it's important to note just how horrible all this was, because we can see that regardless of how big the sin is, and regardless of how bad it, the, the weight of the sin that we're carrying around is, compared to that, it's probably not a whole lot. If God can forgive that, he can sure forgive your sin. And so that's the story of, uh, the, of David uh, and Bathsheba. And so, uh, but, then, but then it goes on because guess what? Nobody knows about him, you know, some of the details of this except David. But there's one other person that always knows, right? God. So God is not happy with David, so he sends this prophet named Nathan to David and, and he basically calls David out about the sin. And, and then, and you need to go read all this, but then David, David calls him out and then David repents and he asks for forgiveness. He goes to God and God says, I'm not going to take your life, his life and I'm going to restore him. So God restores David and David is forgiven for his sins. And then David pins this letter to God. He pins this Psalm 51 that we have to God. And in that Psalm, you and I can see how we should deal with our own sin how David dealt with his sin. And it gives us hope and it gives us encouragement in my mind because when you look at it, um, I mean, you can see that even when we think about just what all took place and how bad it was, you can see that God can forgive us of our, our sins as well. So, let, so I'm gonna talk today in the name of the sermon, that I called it resilient because the definition of resilient is this. It's capable of withstanding shock without permanent deformation or rupture, or tending to recover from misfortune or change. 
David recovered, he went to God and he did it the right way. And, and I think that we all want to be resilient, don't we? I mean, all of us want to recover from our sins. We all want to be forgiven of our sins. We want to bounce back, we want to be forgiven. And so as we look at this prayer, there are a number of steps, if you will. Actually, there are seven things I'm going to talk about, but, but they're sort of, I don't want you to think of them as like some formula, but these are things that need to be in place in our life when we're dealing with sin in our life so that we can be forgiven just like David was forgiven. The first thing that you see is in Psalm 51 in verses one through four, and then here's the first thing. If you've sinned against God, if you've got sin in your life, if there's some sin that you're hanging on to, a secret sin, a, a known sin, you need, you need to come clean with God. David says in verse uh, 51, verses one through four, he says, have mercy on me as he's penning this prayer. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. And then he says, against you, God, against you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. The first thing David did is come clean with God and you and I need to do the same thing with our sin. What does that mean? Well, it means to stop minimizing your sin. Even a small sin is a front to God. Even a small sin, what we would consider a small sin, it's a sin. And, and it breaks God's heart. Stop rationalizing sin. Stop blaming other people for your sin. Take ownership. Come clean with God. You can't spin it enough that God won't see it for what it really is. God knows what our sins are. God knows it. And so we need to come clean with God. If you blew it, God wants you to step up to the pump and say, I blew it. And come clean with God. When you don't, it's not a good thing. If you go on and read and look at verses three and four again, actually two through four, it's, it says, blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, okay? When you're forgiven, blessed is the man who God doesn't count this, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Because listen to what David says. He goes, before anybody knew about this, right? Before Nathan, when, when I was carrying this around, he says, for when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand, conviction was upon him. You, for day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer, Selah. You see, if you keep ignoring your sin, the weight of the guilt, a dirty conscience, the secrecy will get to you and rob you of joy in your life. It'll keep you from being effective in the kingdom of God. You, you'll walk around thinking, I've done this thing, and, 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 and I've, I've, if you don't give it to God, you're going to carry the weight of that thing. And God already knows what you've done, but he wants you to tell him. He wants you to go, I did this. I have blown it. He wants you to acknowledge it and to come clean. And then he wants you to accept responsibility for your sin. That's the next thing. Listen to this in verses one through four. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy. Listen to this. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions. My sin is ever before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. Six times in three lines of scripture, David says, I'm taking responsibility. I did it. 
I'm acknowledging it. I'm telling you that I did it. I'm I'm saying I know you know it, but I'm I'm saying I know it too. and, And I'm telling you I know it. And I'm taking responsibility for my sin. He didn't blame his mother. He didn't try to put spin on the problem. He just said, I've got a sin problem. I blew it. I'm taking responsibility and I deserve whatever I get. We, we need to do the same thing. You and I, if we, we want to b- b- repent and if we want to come clean and w- with God, we got we to step up to the pump and admit our sin and we've got to take responsibility for our sin. And then once we've done those things, we can ask for forgiveness. If we go on and if we look back at this verse again, in the very first verse, it says, he says, God, have mercy on me. He's asking for forgiveness. Oh God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Please forgive me. That's what he's saying. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sins. David's asking for forgiveness and you and I have to do the same thing if we've sinned against God. 1 John 1, 9 in the New Testament, though, says this. It says, if we confess our sins, if we will go to him and we will confess our sins, listen, he is faithful and just and, and, and he, to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we can go to him and ask for forgiveness. And not only that, it's, it's not just that he forgives us in my book, it's how he forgives us. Do you know how he forgives us? The Psalms tell us that. Psalm 101, 12, it says this. It says, as far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. When you come clean with God, when you take responsibility for your sin, and when you cry out for forgiveness in a legitimate sense, and and, and you're sincere and genuine, and you're crying out for forgiveness, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. He removes our sins from us as far as the east is from the west. It can't be measured how far he removes our sins from us. That ought to give you hope this morning. Some of you are walking around. I know in a crowd this size, some of you are walking around. You've been carrying baggage around for a long time. There's this thing you did, this thing you said, you treated somebody bad. Something went on and you've been carrying this sin around. You're no use to the kingdom of God anymore and you're kind of molly grubbing around. There's really no joy in your life because you're carrying this stuff around. You can stop carrying it around if you will do the things we're talking about today. If you have a relationship with Jesus, you can call on him and he will remove that from you as far as the east is from the west. That's a pretty good deal, isn't it? But here's the other thing. You've got to accept God's forgiveness on his terms. That's the next thing that, that I see in the passage here. You see, when you ask for forgiveness, you have to come to God on his terms. You cannot cut a deal with God. I see this all the time, and I've done it myself, if I'm perfectly honest. I've done, have you ever done this before? God, if you'll just help me get out of this mess, I won't miss church anymore. You ever done that? Everybody's been like really still right now. I'm not moving. I'm, I'm just, I'm looking right straight ahead. I'm not saying anything. But if you, you know, you've done that? God, if you'll just help me out of this financial situation, I'll start handling my finances. I'll start from last week giving, saving, and living. If you'll just help me out of this mess that I'm in. Ever tried to cut a deal with God? You can't cut deals with God. 
You, you can't do that. If you're going to get forgiveness of your sins, you, you know, look, let, let's read this. Um, Psalm 51, 5 through 9. It says, behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you're, you, God, delight in truth, in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquities. Let me tell you what you've got to do. You've got to recognize that you're a sinner and you've got to face with honesty the fact that you've sinned and you've got to ask for forgiveness. That's what you have to do. You know, and, and, and here's another problem that I, we have with accepting God's forgiveness. Some of you are carrying stuff around for years, and you have asked God to forgive you, but you can't forgive yourself. What right do you have not to forgive yourself if your heavenly Father's forgiven you? I think it shows a lack of appreciation uh, for what God has done for you, a lack of trust in him. If he says, I'll forgive you, and you were legitimately prayed and you were sincere and you're sorry for your sin, he forgives you. It says that he doesn't even remember your sin anymore. So you've got to accept God's forgiveness on his terms and then request a fresh work of God's grace. Oh, you know, it's great. David keeps on praying. Now he's, now he's confronted his sin. He's repented of his sin. He's asked for forgiveness. He's, he owns it, all those things. And now listen, now his prayer changes a little bit. He says, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Isn't that what we're all after? We want God to create a right spirit within us. He, we we want to have a right relationship with God. We want to be forgiven of our sins. We don't want to be a problem between us and God. And that's what David is praying here. I don't want anything to stand between me and you, God. You know, create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within, within me. And a changed heart doesn't come automatically. We have to pray and we have to ask and we have to ask God to help us. Now, I want to take a minute, just a second here, and I, I wanna, I'm not going to go into this in a deep way, but I, I want to just, anytime I read something like I just read, there's a passage here, and I was like, okay, I need to take a minute and explain something. Verse 11, David's praying, and he says, cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Now, a lot of people will go to that verse and use it as a proof test text that you can lose your salvation. Here it is right here. David prayed. He said, oh God, please don't take away your Holy Spirit from me. God, don't cast me away from your presence. It, you know, that, so that, that's, they will say, so see right there, you can lose your salvation. Well, no, it's a horrible, horrible proof text for that. So, because David's probably, first of all, if you take it in context, David is probably remembering Saul, his predecessor, and how God took his hand off of Saul. And he's probably remembering that back, and he doesn't want that to happen to him. But you have to remember something. This is an Old Testament text right here. And it's an under the Old Covenant, not the New Covenant. It was a time when the Spirit of God would, would, did not indwell people like he indwells us in the New Testament era. The Spirit of God would come to someone, like to a prophet, Nathan. God would, would come to this prophet and say, speak to my people and tell them my truth. 
and then God would just move. And then when he needed to say something else, he'd come back, may go over to Samuel. He'd go, Samuel, I want you to say this. And then he'd remove. But in New Testament era, God came to earth in the form of a man, Jesus Christ, died on a cross, and then he went to heaven. He said, I'm going to send the comforter. I'm going to send my Holy Spirit to live in every single believer. He's going to be there all the time. He's not going to go and come. He's going to take up a permanent residence there. So, so, so don't use that as a proof text. And I just needed to, felt like I needed to say that. The next thing we see here is that we need to determine, if we're going to be resilient, we need to determine to use our past sins and our past failures for future ministry. Listen to David. He says, he, he says listen, God, he's going through all this stuff. God, do this. Click create in me a clean heart. You know, re- renew a right spirit within me. Well, you know, you know, forgive me of my sins, take away my iniquities, all those things. And then he says, then God, I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. David wasn't making a deal. He was asking God to take what he had already done wrong and use it for his glory. That's what he was doing. He says in verse 14 and 15, deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness, and O Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. He's asking God to use him, you know, in in ministry. He says, and he goes on, he says, for you will not delight in sacrifice or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. David is saying, listen, He's going, God, use what I've gone through. Use me. Use my my sin. Use all the stuff to help other people see you, to know how they're supposed to live, and to bring glory to you. That's what David was saying. Use my past failures for my future ministry. Listen, it's the same way in your life and my life. How many of you, some of you have heard, have, have come to know Christ and you are believers today because someone with an incredible testimony, you saw it, you saw the life they lived, you saw how bad it was, the things they did, and you saw them come to Christ and you saw how Christ radically changed their life and you knew you needed change like that too, so you came to know Jesus because of someone's testimony. Let me tell you something, your life is a testimony Your story is a testimony. We all have a story, don't we? Your story is a testimony. Oh, some are more, some are more flamboyant. I don't know what the word, I guess some are more, you know, profound than others or whatever. David's, I mean, you know, I mean, it's not too many people can go up, yeah, that fair, had a kid, you know, know, killed her husband. I mean, you know, not too many people can walk around and say, that's your testimony. David, David could. But you know what? You may have had a past. You may have, God may have drawn you through uh, some addiction, maybe alcoholism, maybe drug addiction. Maybe you were, maybe you were, uh, you know, in, in doing dishonest things in business or you weren't trusting God or you were doing this or that. You've got a story. And, God, and listen, that story is there and you can use that story for your future ministry. It's, it's a lot easier to listen to someone who's walked in the same moccasins before sometimes, Right? Some of you right now, see, see some of you right now, Arnie wouldn't even be here at Heartland, but you know that my first album was Jimi Hendrix. You knew I rode around in a Volkswagen van with long hair. You can put all those dots together, I have a testimony. But that testimony can be used, and it should be used to bring other people to Christ in your circle of influence. 
And that's what David was praying for. And then you also need to pray for limited fallout. And that sort of brings us to the end of this. In, in verses 18 and 19, it says, do good to Zion. So now David says, God, help my, my life be a testimony and help, you know, all this help bring you glory. And then he says, do good to Zion in your good pleasure. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then will you delight in right sacrifices and burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings and bulls will be offered on your altar. You see, the final step is interesting here because it's to pray for limited fallout. Because let me just tell you something. When you sin, anytime you sin, usually there's limited, there's fallout, right? It's like you throw a pebble into a pond. The pebble hits, that's the sin, and there's ripples that go out. Sometimes you don't even know the people that are affected by your sin, but right here, David is praying and he's going, God, let there be limited fallout. God, God, God if, if people have to go through something because of my sin, if someone was affected in a negative way because of my sin, God, would you help them through it? That's what David's praying for. God, would you, would you take care of them? We need to pray the same thing. Some sins, you know, affect people more than other sins, but there are sins that most of us have committed in our lives that have affected someone else. And he prays for limited fallout. Don't let my blunder mess up other people's lives, God. That's what he was praying. What a great prayer. I mean, hopefully in all of this, you can see this. This is what I want you to take away. Your failure, your sin is not the final word. It doesn't have to be the final word. God loves you. God wants to forgive you. He wants a relationship with you, but you have to turn to him like David did. You have to go to him and acknowledge the sin. I mean, you gotta take responsibility for it. You gotta ask for forgiveness. You, you gotta do all these things that we talked about today. But if you will do those things, God will forgive you. And he will remove your sin from you as far as the east is from the west. And you won't have to carry around that burden anymore. You can walk in the joy and assurance of knowing that you've been forgiven by Almighty God. And, and, and there will be people in your life that will want to continue to remind you about your past sins. But it does not matter what they say, it matters what he says. Right? And so I hope and pray today that this sermon has given you some encouragement to, to know that you don't have to carry the weight of your sin around, to know that you can be forgiven of your sins. To know that God, if he can forgive David, and think of that huge, think of the mess that was surrounded that. I mean, there was a, this is like a novel that you read. One of those, you know, it's like a James Patterson novel or something, right? Somebody, somebody you, you got murder, sex, you got, you got all the things that people like to read about. It's a mess. And yet he cried out to God and God's forgetting. He can do the same thing for you. Maybe you're here today and you do not have a relationship with God, well, then you can't be forgiven of your sins until you enter into that relationship with God. We have to have a relationship with Jesus. The New Testament is different than the Old in that, that Jesus came and he left and he sent his Holy Spirit to indwell us. But the only way that Holy Spirit can indwell you is by you putting your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. So if you're here today and you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus, Maybe you heard something today. Maybe your day today you're here and you're saying, my life is an absolute mess. Or I can think of 14 things and I've, I, you know, I've never really come to God and I've never cried out. I've never owned up. I've never taken responsibility. I've never asked for forgiveness. Well, today you can do that. Pray with me right now. Just pray, say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. 
And God, I, I, you know the sins of my life. And God, I've done a lot of things. I've got a lot of stuff. I've never come to you. I've never acknowledged you. I've never confessed these things before you. I've never asked for forgiveness. But right now, I am. I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins. And I'm asking you to save me. And I'm asking you, God, to invite me into your family. I'm, I'm, God, I'm coming to you today and I'm acknowledging that I'm a sinner and I'm, God, just committing my life to you in the best way that I know how and how I understand this right now. But God, I, I'm gonna do that today. And so please forgive me of my sins in Jesus' name. Amen. And if you're sincere and genuine, we have the promise of scripture that God saved you. Maybe you're a believer and you're here today. And when we look at this, there's something in your life. There's this thing you've been carrying around. You're already forgiven. You, you've just been, you can't forgive yourself. And maybe today you can walk out of here and you can say, that's good. And let me just tell you something. In a moment, we're going to stand up. And, 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 and if you've made a decision to follow Christ, I would invite you when we stand up to slip out and go to the back doors. People with purple shirts, they say prayer and they got lanyards on. You can go see one of them and tell them what you did. They can help you understand where you go from here, what, how you know, this all works, give you some resources. Maybe you're here and you are a believer today and maybe there's some sin that you've been carrying around. You know what I want to invite you to do today? I hope a whole bunch of people today, I hope a whole bunch of you go to the crosses. And you don't have to write a big giant prayer request on the cross or anything like that. Maybe you'll just take a little piece of paper today and you'll just write that sin that you've been carrying around and you just stick it up on that cross and you just give it to Jesus and you go back and sit down. And when you walk back to your chair, it's a done deal. He's removed it as far as the east is from the west. And maybe you can go home today and walk a little lighter. Maybe you can breathe for the first time in a long time. I don't know what you need to do. Maybe it's put a prayer request on the cross. Maybe it's to go talk to somebody about your new found salvation. Maybe it's just dealing with some sin. You do whatever God leads you to do. You can't go wrong. Stand with us. Let's continue.